Welcome to Building Better Businesses, an ABA podcast. Learn firsthand from business owners who built successful ABA businesses. Utilize proven techniques and strategies to help your practice thrive. This is Building Better Businesses, an ABA podcast with Jonathan Mueller. is the founder and CEO of Reputation Elevation, a digital marketing firm that primarily serves the ABA field. Reese has spent nine plus years in digital marketing. Uh, In the past four years, he's focused on helping ABA providers attract new clients using proprietary systems that support consistent seven-figure growth. Reese is also a fellow alum of the University of Virginia. So Reese, wahoo wah, as we like to say. And welcome to the pod, man. It's great to have you. Thanks, Jonathan. It's great to be here, and thank you for the warm introduction. Yeah, you have you have the distinction of being the first fellow uh, University of Virginia alum uh, on the pod. So uh, amazing! This is going to be a fun conversation and a really important one because we know um, we know how many there's seven thousand ABA providers out there that are trying to get attention with for candidates for clients, etc. And um, the work you're doing is really important uh, to supporting them. So maybe I'd love to. Like if you could share your inspiration for serving the ABA field and, and in particular, like I think the, the first ABA provider you worked with, um, yeah. like in how you responded to the, the question they asked of like, or you asked them, what's special about you? That's right. Well, um, when you talk about inspiration, I think first of all, that just knowing that we're helping and you are too, because you're on the billing side of things, helping organizations as well. But knowing that we're helping organizations to make a really positive difference in the life of the kiddos is really incredible. And I, I'll even tell you about one parent who recently got in touch with a VCB that I'm working with. And when she learned about ABA, because she had seen the advertising and then spoken with this VCB that I'm working with, she literally just started crying because she was so relieved to find something that would be potentially so transformational for her son. And her son is already 18. Uh, and she just she felt a tremendous remorse that she hadn't really found out about APA earlier. So you know, that's very important to me. Um, and also I just enjoy that this is a field where I'm able to really provide a lot of value based on sort of like unique combination of my skill set and then the industry as a whole. Um, in terms of that first client you're mentioning, so when I got started with ABA, I'd never heard of it before, like most people early outside of the field. And um, so when I was talking with this client who was referred to me, um, who was had just started an ABA practice on the East Coast, so I asked her, um, what makes your company special and different from your competitors in the area? And she gave me the answer I never expected. She said, quite simply, nothing. I said, what do you mean, nothing? You don't, you oh. do nothing. There's nothing you do that's wow. different at all from any of your competitors. And she said, no, not really. And then she started telling me about this thing called out-of-network billing, which I didn't really understand back then. But but she explained to me that there's this thing where, yeah, she, she only will accept out-of-network uh, benefits. And so I said, so you're telling me that you don't provide anything better or different than anybody else, but you do charge more. Is that correct? And she said, yeah, basically. Mm. So I was sort of worried, you know, maybe this isn't going to work out because it's, you have to have something good to promote. But um, it turned out that the worries were unfounded and this client went on to quadruple in size pretty quickly with the advertising. And I realized that 
it's really about two things in essence. One is um, helping the right people to come across you at the right time and then um, to make it easy mm -hmm. and to make it frictionless to go ahead and get on the phone with you. And the other thing is that it really comes down to the quality of the therapists. Because what this therapist, what this client didn't realize is that granted her service description of ABA therapy was pretty much the same as everybody else and no different than anybody else, but her personality wasn't, right? And it, ABA therapy mm -hmm. is only as good as the therapist providing it. And the reason she was able to be successful mm -hmm. is because she really shined through with just a lot of positive traits that, that parents could pick up on and feel. So perhaps she was a little too modest in saying she did nothing different because she herself is different. And I think that's a very key lesson, I think, for a lot of therapists that um, it's a, in large part about letting your authentic self shine through so parents really pick mm. up on the fact that you're there to take care of them. That's right. I mean, there's something unique and um, special about any ABA practice. And at what, what yes. I hear you describing, Reese, is you're helping simply to channel that in the right way and, and yes. share that and amplify it to the world. Yes. What's really cool, I mean, you're, I mean, clearly you're a marketing expert, right? Mm -hmm. But you're in this because you're passionate about this field. I mean, same thing with Element, mm -hmm. right? Like my organization, um, yeah. yes, we're revenue cycle and billing insurance experts. That's not why we do what we do. We do it because our vision is a childhood for every child. Like that's right. what gets us excited. And that's what yeah. me like symbolizes like values aligned partners to ABA organizations, helping to move the field forward and helping parents get access to services as quickly as they can. Well, exactly. I think you're uniquely well positioned to do so because you come from Ascend as a, a partner in Ascend Behavior. And uh, I just know and people in the industry know that it's a very high quality organization that really delivers for the parents, for the therapists, and most importantly for the kids. And so I think it's really cool that you're providing uh, sort of the back end support that made a sense successful for everybody else to be able to benefit from. Yeah. Well, in full disclosure, audience, we, Reese and uh, NSN, got a chance to work together a few years ago, which is really neat. And one, one question, um, uh, uh, Reese, you're um, uh, in one case study. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I was reading that, uh, uh one of your clients at ABA, uh, therapy clinic, mm -hmm. I think they generated like $936,000 in revenue using just like $8,000 in Facebook advertising. Dude, how do you achieve those results? Yeah. Thank you. So, um, there's a lot that goes into that. I think that the, the one thing that if I had to, uh, answer off standing on one foot, I would say it's knowing where to prioritize your budget. If you open up Facebook ads and start looking at different campaign options, you're gonna see like 12 different options. There's one of those options that's actually the right one to use and the other ones are all a waste of your money, right? So that's a big part of it. Mm. Um, today, when clients come to me in the ABA, I have this whole system A to Z worked out in terms of exactly what to do each step along the way, but not only the Facebook ads, but mm. the the marketing automation and then the training on how to connect the calls back then i didn't really have that developed yet but i think it was just a focus on like the core essentials mm. um of knowing where to put the budget and then creating an ad experience that um gives parents every reason to get up go ahead and get in touch without sort of like the red flags mm. that maybe would scare them away mm. i know but i 
it's something that every ABA provider struggles with right now is recruiting enough staff. Um, and, um, and it's interesting because that's evolved from what I've seen, like a couple few years ago, it's, uh, it was so hard to recruit BCBAs. Uh-huh. And now as a field, I think it's, it's become really challenging recruiting RVTs. But I, I know you once told me <laughs> recently, Facebook has made it virtually impossible to use ads for recruiting purposes. Why is that? So that's true. Um, Facebook has uh, a very big priority on uh, not allowing people to be discriminated against in any sort of fashion with um, job ads. And they went very, very far in removing uh, the targeting that would be useful for reaching out to BCBAs. They sort of just, they took out probably hundreds of thousands of different interests uh, from targeting, not because there's necessarily some something wrong with each thing that they removed, uh, but because I think that at some level they say, well, you know, it's too hard to figure out what's discriminatory, what's not. So let's just, you know, cut out wide swaths um, of what there is. I mean, they chose to, to use a whitelist instead of a blacklist. Whitelist meaning they only let you use targeting that they've pre-approved. Whereas a blacklist would mean they mm-hmm. remove just the things they know they don't want. There's a whole large swath of targeting. So if, for example, um, if you were to try and uh, advertise a product or service to BCBAs, you actually could choose to target people who studied ABA therapy as you're targeting, which is really useful. Mm. But if you want to go ahead and do a job ad to recruit BCBAs, they will not let that option appear in, you know, available. Um, mm. And they won't let you target people by the college, the, the level of college degree they have, which I think is a little too far. Um, LinkedIn would, would see that mm. this is all too far. You know, on LinkedIn, you can target by job title and by age and by, um, if I think more control location, and then also college degree and many other factors as well. So I think that for, uh, I think they also may be so sensitive to the issue because of the scrutiny they face for all the reasons that they're controversial. Mm. Um, so I think that's what goes into it. But essentially, it's almost impossible to use successfully for recruitment. Um, certainly not for BCBAs. I suppose if you, you know, if you're willing to uh, consider a large number of mostly unqualified applicants for uh, a paraprofessional position, then you could give it a try. But I very much recommend sticking uh, to other options instead. Interesting. So if I if I hear you right, there's a couple things going on here. One is this idea of Facebook's because of the scrutiny that we know they're under and um, and Facebook or Meta or whatever they're called now. Yeah. But this idea that they moved from a, uh, a blacklist of opt-out mm-hmm. for a Facebook user to a whitelist where a user has to opt yes. in to sharing certain yes. uh, demographic information that's that's helpful to a target. That was one thing. Is that right? So I would phrase it a little differently. That's more that within Facebook, they have, I don't know what the number is, let's just call it you know, 200,000 options for different ways you could target people. And what they could have done is said, mm. you know, we're not going to let people target by language or by ethnicity or by this or that. That would be a blacklist, right? And they do have that going on in all their ads and like any type of ad product to use with them. Uh, but they went a step further mm. and they said for job ads specifically, if you want to advertise a job position, not only do we have, not only are we not letting you have access to things that we've removed from the table as a blacklist, but you can only use targeting options that are waitlisted. Um, and so that means some team yeah. sat down on a table 
and figured out, okay, well, which things are, do we want to include that we think uh, makes sense to include? And most of them are like irrelevant. So they really killed their platform in terms of recruitment, unless it's a job that is suitable for a wide, a very, very wide swath of the population, which is what you'll end up getting. Gotcha. Well, I mean, so here's what's crazy about that to me, Reese, is, I mean, a provider could still advertise on Facebook, an ABA provider. They're going to take our money, right? But there's not going to be yeah. the results from it. Is that, am I, am I reading into that? The so, so on the client side, it's much better. I mean, if you're advertising for clients, you can use Facebook ads really effectively. You can do that even though they removed all targeting that uh, is related to autism directly. It used to be as, as recently mm. as four months ago, I could target an audience of parents who have expressed an interest in autism-related topics on Facebook. That's gone now. Mm. So we've adapted and we used other options mm. and it still works great. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they do um, sometimes remove, remove things from the table, um, even though he, they rely on their advertisers for revenue. Um, that is true. Yeah. So it's, so yes, to be clear, the um, uh, uh, advertising for clients on Facebook can be successful. What I'm hearing from you is that advertising yeah, for, for recruitment, I would definitely staff, say for recruitment, yes. even yes. though, even though Facebook would gladly take like my money as an ABA <laughs> provider to try to yeah. recruit. If I didn't yeah. know what I was doing, like I'm going to, yes. you know, gladly give my money, yeah. but I'm not going to the results I want. Yeah. Well, you can see that yeah. the a boost your post feature is it sort of runs along the same lines that they're going to profit, but you're probably not going to benefit from it. So it's sort of like the gateway drug to Facebook ads that if you start a Facebook page and you post something, they'll suggest you boost the post for a few dollars per day. And I think the main strategy there is just to get you to see all the cool targeting tricks they have to get you interested in more Facebook ads. Mm. But I think people get stuck there because they try that for a month or two or three, nothing happens and they're thinking, well, I guess it doesn't work. Facebook does work, but you just have to know which tools they use and use it the right way. Yeah, I gotcha. I like that the 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 the, um, the boost feature is the gateway drug the gateway <laughs> for drug. spending That's all right. your money with Facebook. I like yeah. that. Google so, has it okay, too. So clearly so, there's a problem. Oh, okay. Yeah, Google, Google has, has as just to, to warn everybody, Google has something called uh, it's like Google Ads Express. It works great for dentists. It does mm -hmm. not work for AB practices. So if you are going to use Google Ads, do not take the Express option. Oh, okay, so I I have to double click on that. So Google Ads Express, why does it work well for dentists, but not for the I think there are so many dentist campaigns that Google just has more data to work with. They don't, Google, basically Google Ads Express is a way um, or of harnessing AI and big data to try and just make campaigns that work for you without putting any effort into it. And they have a lot more to pull from mm. in the dentist space because Google ads is something that it, uh, it has just been used a lot more for dentists than it has been for ABA. Gotcha. They just have a lot yeah. more information. They have a lot more data. Dentist. That's my theory, at least as to what's going on there. They have a lot more data into it. That's, um, that's fascinating. Gosh, you know, my mind goes in a lot of different directions there, including like, how would we know the point at which ABA has reached a tipping point that Google ads now like are going to be effective? And that's probably like more of a philosophical question 
then a clear yeah. milestone we can delineate. Yeah. So until you until you have a clear indication, it's best to use the more professional version of Google Ads, which gives you fine-tuned control over everything, as opposed to just like trusting the the system to do it for you. The use Google Ad Words, it sounds like, as opposed to Google Ad Express. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Well, I um uh so so thinking about like this problem on Facebook with mm -hmm. recruiting ads, um but, but but like I want to extend that a little farther. Like I, um, you know, most ABA providers post on Indeed, right? And yes. um, uh, and like our attention span as a society these days, I think is maybe seven seconds, right? So like an ABA provider literally has seven seconds to arrest the scroll in a prospective candidate's yeah. feed when they're looking through. And it's like yeah. so. What I don't know. What I observe. Tell me if mm -hmm. I'm right or wrong here. Is like most. A providers job hostings on indeed are either like just so dry and clinical and boring right. uh, not not so dry and boring or right. like they're promising like the moon right and unicorns yes. and double rainbows and trips to tahiti and all this other yes. stuff it's like click right. and fake yeah. so i want to break down with you reese like what what does it take to make for a compelling ad yeah um and maybe Maybe we start with a non-exemplar. Like, what do you avoid if you want to make a great um, yes. ad on Indeed? Yeah. Okay. So I think you alluded to a lot of what to avoid. Um, and the most common mistake I see is leading off with a question that is very transparent and it's objective to get you to, to think the post is relevant to you. So an example of that is that the first mm. line of the description starts off with, do you want to work for an organization that makes lives the differences of kids? And as you read that, you're thinking, well, yes, but also I don't like how you're trying to like loop me in with a question that every BCA will mm. answer yes to. Uh, so and sometimes that works in directional copywriting to ask a question that elicits the yes response from the reader. But I think it's, this is not the right place to try that approach. Um, so that's definitely one thing. Mm. Um, another thing would be um, just to be uh, too sparse with your writing. I mean, I do see sometimes job posts where there's very little thought put into it. And it's just the most bare bones possible list of responsibilities and benefits, and that's it. Um, another would be hyperbole, mm. which you also alluded to, trips to heat and that sort of thing. Um, too many exclamation points, I think. Uh, there's a sense you can get when reading job posts that someone's trying a little too hard. And at least that pushes, that would push me away mm. if I were BCBA, right? Um, yeah. And then I would say another thing would be to is would be to use generic language that could just as well describe any of your competitors as it does yourself, right? So you really you want to hone in on on something that you can see that maybe not everybody else could say. Um, and then lastly, um, sometimes posts will overemphasize really obvious things. Uh, I saw one job post on Indeed where the opening paragraph was just a definition of what a BCBA is. But anybody who's seriously considering such a job knows what a BCBA is. You don't need that information. So if you see that, you're thinking, reading like through this paragraph and it's like, why do I have to read through this paragraph? Um, so I think to, you know, to turn to like, well, what does work? I think the first thing is to, uh, is to start with right expectations. Because I think a lot of where people are going wrong is that they are setting a goal that they're gonna write a job post that's so amazing that 
you know, the candidates are just going to click on mine and, and submit an application to my post, not something else's. But I think mm-hmm. most people in recruitment have figured out that it's very common for a BC to entertain as many as 25 offers before settling on one. So mm-hmm. we can't really expect to write something in a way that a, a serious job seeker will exclusively uh, want to look at us. Mm-hmm. What we can do is sort of redefine success to be realistic, which would be that you just you make your company appear um, attractive, professional, um, and you express good values. And, um, and you write in a concise but effective way that respects the reader. So I think a good mm. uh, way to do it is to start it off with a very short first paragraph just describing who you are as a company. Not being over the top, just being you know, but also obviously writing something nice about your company. Um, write a brief description of who you're looking for. You'll describe more later, but to start with a brief description, you're just going to people into the job post. And then um, mm. in the third paragraph, I'd recommend that you make it a little longer. And this time we go into a little bit more to like what makes your organization unique and try to write from a place of truth. Because if we do that, then mm. words that come out in the word processor um, are more likely to sound authentic than if you're, you know, just trying mm-hmm. to think something. So that's the approach I would take. I think it's a, like you have to set their expectations and be professional and positive and not not give people a reason to say no to applying. Right? If you can make yourself attractive mm-hmm. and professional, but not over the top, and there's nothing there that is going to make BCBs want to go to the next one without first applying to yours, and I think that's mm-hmm. a victory. Because uh, the goal here is like get them interested enough that they that they hit the apply, right? Because yes. uh, the reality is most job seekers indeed makes it super easy. Like check apply, apply check apply, check. Apply, the next thing you know, like yeah. a candidate's applied to like a hundred yeah. different ones, right? I like yeah. that. I, this is such powerful feedback. I you know some things like to reflect on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I always think like empathy. All right, let's let's put ourselves in the shoes of a candidate. And I wonder how many ABA providers now, I, to be candid, like I never did this. Like, so I, I, I've screwed right. up on it, but like, have I gone on Indeed and registered as a job seeker and then gone through the process of here is what I am seeing. Yeah. And um, for sure. And looking, and so at, like understanding all of the different options that an RBT or a BCBA or whomever are going to have when they're clicking and, what are the what are the job postings that I'm drawn to, and then being discriminating like is that is that clickbait or was no was that like a right. realistic description um, of an organization and what's special and unique about them? I wonder right. if like that empathy and like putting yourselves in candidate shoes yeah. could be helpful. Absolutely, and I think it uh, this is an example of an area where many providers um, maybe are missing a certain perspective because ABA is ultimately um, a practice, a field, a field of practice where there are a lot of roles, a lot of processes, a lot of paperwork, a lot of T's to cross and I's to dot. And if you don't, then we all know the payers aren't going to be happy with you and it's going to hurt the, your revenue cycles mm. for a while. Right. And so there can be, yeah, yeah. You know, we, I think anybody working in that environment, 
where the sort of attention to detail, like the picky sort of thing is, is so pervasive, um, runs a risk of perhaps losing touch with that more human side of things that you're referring to. Totally. We can't lose. We're human services organizations. Right. If, we, if we lose touch of that, it's up front. It's yeah. like as we hire and attract him, it's like we're cooked. Right. One of the other challenge I realized is I hear you describe this. Um, there's this, this principle in economics called the principal agent problem. And that is um, if you have the principal, the person who wants something done, uh-huh. like a job, a mission to be carried out. Right, mm-hmm. say to save the world, and then you hire someone, the quote unquote agent. Um, are you going to have the same incentives as the principal yes. and the agent in in that job to be done, mm-hmm. saving the world, um, or yes. are there differences in expectation? And this this, this mm-hmm. isn't just economics; this, this applies to anything in, in life yes. for this principal agent problem. And, I've, and you so know, true. especially as as organizations grow, they get recruiting, you know, or talent acquisition teams. But then you have the you know clinical teams are going to be supervising them. I mean, there's nothing more defeating than a recruiting team. I mean, trying their best by like putting out this amazing flowery ad that may not right. represent reality. And then next thing you know, that person's in week one training <laughs> or there's no training at all or whatever. They're like, hang on, right. I was sold a bill of goods. And it's that different, that principal agent, difference yes. in expectations that can destroy trust immediately. Yeah, that's a very insightful way of putting it. Oh. 100%. Well, ABA practice owners, are billing and insurance issues getting you down? Well, let me tell you, Element RCM is your answer. Element provides world-class revenue cycle management services, contracting, credentialing, authorizations, billing, and more. Element's your partner, so you can focus on what you love to do, providing the highest quality services to your families and clients. Element's a preferred partner of the Behavioral Health Center of Excellence, and its founders have nearly 20 years of experience owning and operating successful ABA organizations. They understand you. They know that every dollar counts, that integrity is everything. Element works with any practice management system. And Element's not a vendor, they're your partner. So find out more and take a free revenue cycle assessment at elementrcm.ai. I love how you, you described this like um, this description. Let me ask you, because one of the things I've done before in job ads, and I probably, I don't know, this idea of like, make sure your values come through. <laughs> I've always loved to put like hashtag and I'll sprinkle like our values throughout and try to work them in to components of the responsibilities or as it gets introduced. Um, I, but I don't know, is that the right way to incorporate your values through it as opposed to just listing here are our values, fun, integrity. I think, I think that is a good approach. Yeah, I think that's a good approach because um, anybody can write a list of values. And so... And most companies do. So then when you read that list of values, you might be thinking, this sounds really nice, but also sounds like something that a group of executives just, you know, got together from around a table for an hour and wrote up, you know, and who says that it's real? Whereas if you, if you can express it uh, by dem- with words that demonstrate the values, I think that is possibly more effective. It's sort of like um, showing instead of telling. Ooh. Using words that demonstrate the values as opposed yeah. to just trying to hit them on with a hammer. This is yeah. our values. I like it. Yes. Oh, I love it. 
which and there's a whole separate conversation here about the importance of coming up with values that resonate across your yeah. organization that aren't just like yeah. a bunch of corporate suits, yeah. right? Like they get right. Through, but that's another conversation. Yeah. Well, then let's let I, I want to look at um uh at at um maybe other platforms that to you mm. are exemplars, um but where you've seen ABA providers be mm. successful recruiting candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, I think the most overlooked platform is LinkedIn, but they have really great ad tools for getting yourself in front of VCs or RBTs. They have very precise targeting options. You'll always run into the uh, same sort of limitations in LinkedIn that you do anywhere else, which is just the economics, the fields that are being rear demand uh, for providers than, uh, than their providers, right? Um, so, and I've, I have heard of people using ZipRecruiter. I think Indeed's pricing model is more attractive personally. I think ZipRecruiter really has a higher sort of minimum to get in the door. Um, so I would definitely um, support the conventional wisdom in starting with Indeed. And maybe of course using the BCD uh, email list. Uh, it's a classic one as well. Um, and from there you have ZipRecruiter and LinkedIn. Um, in theory, it, it could be that Google Ads would work as well. I just haven't tried it for recruitment purposes. I do it for client acquisition. I haven't done it yet for recruitment, but it is something interesting to try because uh, you could try um, advertising a job post. The question would be whether or not there is enough traffic um, locally for the terms that you're interested in, like PCB positions, for example, uh, for Google to allow you to run an app. Because if you choose a keyword that is so rarely searched for um, that maybe less than 10 people in a month will search for it uh, in, a, you know, in a certain region, then Google may consider that keyword ineligible to run. Um, so there is some experimentation yeah. maybe to be done there, uh, which is interesting, uh, but I, I can't give an official uh, verdict on it yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that I'm hearing as you describe this, Reese, is the importance of a provider. Just identify for people whom you hire, where did they come from? And mm-hmm. if and look at that over time to mm-hmm. understand um, where you're being successful and where you're not being successful. And look, there's, there, yeah. there are, I mean, all kinds of successive levels of like analysis you can do, right? Like, and then you can extend it to... I, turnover, right? If someone's turning over, where do we hire from? Does that have some kind of effect? But that, I mean, mm-hmm. it just starts with, it sounds like, like understand mm-hmm. where you, you're being most successful. In yes. Getting, um, For sure. The, BAC, the BACB email list, that's an interesting one. I'm not sure that like I've ever interacted with and, and used it, but it all, it, it seems like there's, it's, there's so much there. Like there's so many yeah. different providers advertising. Yeah. Can it, yes. can that, can that be successful or what are your thoughts? So like, I haven't myself um, sent a campaign for recruitment purposes through that list. So I can't report from personal experience. I can to say that I do hear other people recommending it. So it does seem to be something people talk about. Um, and th- that gives me at least some indication that it may be worthwhile to try. It's not so expensive anyway. So, it, you know, it probably is uh, sensible to at least give it a try. And you can choose the region that you're advertising yeah. in. Okay, cool. I, um, uh, so anecdotally, it sounds like there's um, you, you've heard of success out there. Yeah, well, I, I want to switch back to um, okay. I, I want to switch back to to um, to to um, client 
like marketing for clients. And, and this, you know, this thorny question of how do you like ethically provide parent testimonials? We know there are BCBA got prohibitions around that in the ethics mm -hmm. code. We also know the Behavioral Health Center of Excellence came up with some updated guidelines in their uh, most recent accreditation standards that sort mm -hmm. of put some uh, some parameters around it. And I know on the on the one hand, it's interesting. I, I like I, I I understand that this is something we have to be super careful about, right? Because we right. don't want to somehow influence the therapeutic relationship by asking for a, a testimonial. On the other hand, I mean, I see there are a lot of nonprofits out there, ABA providers, and how, and that's like a, that's core to fundraising. So how does a nonprofit deal with that? And I also see like, um, like American Psychologist Association, right? Or other um, sort of mental health, behavioral health bodies don't maybe have the same prohibitions. Right. Help me wade through this, Reese. Yes. So the first thing to say, um, what you alluded to is that, of course, BCBs need to follow the code because they are responsible for following the code. They have agree to follow the code and follow the code. And I believe there needs to be more of a dialogue about this topic because there are unintended consequences to the BCB's very well-meaning policy that they want. The BCB has stated that it wants to ensure that parents don't feel coerced um, into doing something they don't want to do and they don't want undue influence in the, in the relationship. Um, that is a value and it's an important value. But we have to look at the at other values that and see if there maybe are some other values that are coming to conflict with that. So I'll give you an example um, of a big issue facing ABA that there is no coherent response for right now in the industry. And that is that you have some people who are super vocal in opposition to, uh, in opposition to ABA and they'll write things like, you know, hashtag ABA is abuse on social media and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, and there's not really a coherent voice to counter that, right? And there are a lot of parents who will read this sort of thing and they will be really afraid to even consider ABA therapy for their kids, even though what, you know, what's being referenced mm. here maybe is uh, methodologies that were used a long time ago, but that aren't today. And even if you know, parents may talk to BCBAs today um, and learn about the sort of fun and play-based approach that most people are taking, would not think for a second that it's abuse. Um, one thing that would be helpful for combating the misperception of the field that really is a problem would be to let, you know, to encourage parents to speak up about their experiences. So that's an important value that I think is, is being left behind. And the problem here is that the, is that AP is medically necessary. That's why it's mandated by insurance. And here's this medically necessary mm -hmm. treatment where one of the most effective forms of advertising is not really allowed. You don't find this with chiropractors. You don't find this, I said with the American Psychological, Psychological Association, I forget the exact name, but there are plenty of other fields of medicine where you could make the same sort of, you could see there's the same sort of concern. Well, we don't want to coerce people or um, use our influence mm -hmm. the wrong way or so forth. Um, but those professions don't go with, with that approach. Um, I think there's also an issue here um, of disadvantaging clinician-run practices. And here's why. If you are a business owner who is not a BCBA, but you start an ABA practice, you don't have to follow the code. BCB can't do anything to you because you're not a BCBA. Great. You can go ahead and request all the reviews you want all day long. And then when people go to Google and they search for an ABA practice, 
who are they going to go to? The guy with 87 five-star reviews or the, you know, the clinician with one? <laughs> and then there's another problem. Yeah. another problem, which is, hey, look, if you go through a business long enough, there's probably going to be that one parent that's really upset about something and it leaves that one-star review. And if you don't have any tool for countering that, then people go to Google, they see a one-star review and they think you're a terrible organization. You could be the best organization there is. So you have a responsibility to all of your all of your providers that depend on you for uh, for a salary, you have a responsibility to represent mm. ABS as possible light as a professional, and you can't. But the, the private equity people sure can because they're not bound by the code. So mm. there are unintended consequences here. Um, I think a lot of the drive is that there's sort of this image that the way people ought to decide whether or not to use ABA therapy enroll their child in it is by doing research and becoming educated and informed. Mm -hmm. But people don't shop for things that way, right? It, mm. People are reacting to essentially emotions, branding, and reviews in whoever reaches out to them first. That's what they're looking yeah. at. So it, it's it's unfair to the to those practices that our clinician run. And I think there has to be a, a dialogue with BCP um, the people at BCB are fantastic professionals. You can, when you read the code, you can see that their priority on ethics really shines through. They really are well thought out, but there needs to be more feedback and more dialogue about this because it's just not realistic in today's environment to enshrine mm. this one value of uh, keeping the relationship pure mm. in every possible way, right? At the expense of everything else. Um, mm. And especially because if you think about it, no relationship is ever 100% pure. You can say, well, I'm not going to accept any gifts because the code doesn't let me. And, um, you know, but there, there are plenty of other ways that people influence each other or, you know, things are, are left unsaid but are clearly communicated. There are all kinds of things that occur in a long-term mm -hmm. relationship with a client that means relationship by definition is not pure. And, and that's because we're all people. Right, so if people are gonna have effective relationships, like it's gonna be a relationship. There's a relationship. There's gonna be sort of skin in the game between the parties. Right. Um, so I don't know if it's realistic to to even expect in, in any event that the policies in place can really uh, create an environment where these things are pure and unfettered by mm -hmm. ulterior interests. Yeah, I, this is so important because I, I mean, I agree with you 100%. The BACB is a phenomenal organization, a phenomenally run organization. And they have, I mean, faster, I think, than any other, like, um, uh, uh, you know, certification body in, in other fields. They've, like, scaled up extraordinarily. Yeah. And and their outcomes, what they're trying to achieve is noble. But I hear you that there's um, there are disadvantages, um, particularly when it comes to clinician-owned versus non-clinician-owned practices. But but let me, I, I want to come back to that in a second. But let me just clarify, because I've read lots of articles on what I'm about to ask, but I, I want to make sure I understand the truth. But like consumers, clients are making decisions based on reviews they see. Is that right? Is that part of their consideration set? 100%. 100%. And that's why many corporations or many companies go to great lengths to create fake reviews. Amazon is a place where this happens all the time. It's almost impossible to sell something to Amazon without good reviews. So what do you do? There are entire you know, communities online 
where you find someone on Amazon, you say, okay, I'll buy my product, I'll send it to you, leave me a good review, and then I'll, re I'll give you the money back via PayPal. And this is routine. Yeah. Yep. This is standard practice in the yep. industry, because if you don't do it, you can't succeed. Oh, absolutely. Because consumers are looking for heuristics. They're always looking for um, yes. heuristics um, to help them like shortcut decisions and just make something easier, right? So we like have all of these, like Daniel Kahneman. Kahneman. Danny Kahneman, Kahneman. Yeah. thinking fast and slow. Fast Kahneman and slow. was, yes. oh my gosh, he, he was a psychologist, but won the Nobel Prize in economics. Um, yes. There's a different name for it because um, uh, economics wasn't considered a true science. That's a whole separate topic. But he wrote this book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, noise, exactly. Exactly. Won the Nobel Prize talking about these things, right? These heuristics we use as human beings, right? Type one versus type two thinking. And yeah. sometimes like, and, and knowing when to use that fast twitch thinking, like we got to make a decision, right? Because that's a fight or flight yes. and let's step out of the road from the car approaching versus yeah. when should we make a more thoughtful decision and take our time. And as humans, we're not good going from one to the next. So we're constantly looking for these yeah. heuristics to shortcut them. But sometimes that means right. we're just quickly looking for better or for worse. We're quickly looking at, oh, how many reviews did this practice get versus that one? I'm going to go with this one because yes. so I, I, I hear you. This is a really complex question that requires yes. more dialogue. Yes, 100%. Um, you know, the other thing that's important, I like, um, you know, the one thing that, and the reason full disclosure ascend, um, uh, has been, um, BHCOE accredited for gosh, four and a half, almost five years. Now we've gone through six different accreditation rounds, wow. um, is for this reason that you pointed out is that, you know, I am not a BCBA and yes, one of my co-founders, Dr. Mike is, but, um, uh, you know, the other two, me and, 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 uh, Will and I, we're not BCBAs but we wanted to be held to that higher standard and put our money where our mouth is that yes, yeah. quality and um, commitment to ethics is important. And so we signed up for BHCOE accreditation to demonstrate mm -hmm. that. And then mm -hmm. there are certain you know, stipulations around how marketing does or doesn't happen, but you're right. That doesn't, yeah. th there is an inherent disadvantage for non for clinician owned organizations who might mm -hmm. be under this prohibition of not advertising. Yes, Absolutely. Reese, what's one thing that every ABA practice, every ABA business owner should start doing? One thing they should stop doing? Who start doing? Wow. It's hard for you to speak to for every practice. Um, I think that uh, one thing that's important for practices is to make sure um, that they are aware of how much risk they're taking with whatever their their practices are or expectations are for sort of like how and when um, parents find you. Because a lot of practices have come to me in a situation where they had great referrals, you know, they always had another referral around the bend and no shortage of, of parents until that one day they didn't anymore for whatever reason that they usually can't pinpoint. Unless it's just that a payer decided to stop referring that, you know, the the network members to them um and they can end up in really hard positions um so that would be one thing and then um then one thing they should stop doing um to think about that one a little bit more fair enough fair enough i mean uh, i uh, the um i think one of the things that i'm learning from this 
is, you know, before you go out and just blindly start advertising, certainly if you were ever considered testimonials, talk to someone, right? Yeah. Read up on BHDOE standards, be, get really clear on BACVs, ethical guidelines and what that means. And, um, you know, talk to other experts who have, who have done that and who can help um, navigate. But there's so much complexity um, yeah. just in digital marketing, like having an expert, um, uh, at least have a conversation with an expert um, because there's a heck of a lot more. Sure, ABA practice owners are cursed with competence, right? And that's why they've started organizations and done right. amazing things. Yes. And there are experts out there potentially who can help. Yes, absolutely. Well, Reese, where can people find you online? ReputationElevation.net. Every place to go. And uh, for, All right, man, in, uh, for if people are interested in, in uh, getting in touch, there's an option there to book a time for a free consultation uh, for those who are interested. Awesome. A free consultations. You know what? I, I, by the way, I love like signing up for those anytime I'm trying to learn more about something because mm -hmm. I mean, I know people like you um, and, and, and many other service providers to our field are always open to having conversation, providing feedback, guidance. And if nothing else, you learn something from it, even if you don't end up signing up for services. So I think that's yeah. powerful. Yeah. So um, it's actually something I talk about with my clients that when you're talking to parents, you should make it really clear up front that you're only going to offer to enroll them into therapy if you really believe that your services are the best option for them and if you don't then go ahead and recommend mm. some other option that's better for them because um first of all along the way uh you're gonna feel great about just the fact that you're doing something maybe uh altruistic um but also parents will get the sense that you're you are there to make sure that they get some value out of the interaction whether they're enrolling or not. So sometimes there are situations where I'll say to a, a prospective client, I don't think that this makes sense for you right now, but you know, maybe check out X, Y, Z. And then when you get to a different stage, you know, then let's talk again, because um, there's no point in providing a service to someone that won't be a value to them. Yeah, that, you know what, that's, that is, all right, that moved me because not only as you as ABA practices are having conversations with parents, like not only um, in what you're suggesting, are they saying, hey, look, there's one in 44 kiddos who have autism. There's so many kiddos that need services. Mm -hmm. Let's not carve these barriers around ourselves. Let's actually collaborate and help one another yeah. for this greater goal of getting all services. I love that. And then yeah. the second thing I heard you describe was like that actually builds trust when you can say, look, my job parent is to help you make the best decision. And, um, and part of that is evaluating other providers as well, because this is a mm -hmm. really, really important decision. And that's building trust in addition to being the right thing to do. I love that. Yeah. And like you never lose out doing this. You know, if you're, if you're doing, if you're serving other people, eventually it's going to come back around to you. So you don't, people don't have to be afraid they're going to lose mm -hmm. out by helping somebody else. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, you ready for the hot take? Okay. Let's go for it. All right. So uh, first question, you're on your deathbed. What's the one thing you want to be remembered for? Yeah. So um, it's hard to pick one thing. Um, I'm very, very passionate about Torah study. Um, and I hope that'll be something I'm remembered for. Um, I'm passionate about um, being there for my family, my kids, my wife, and um, 
and trying to work on myself to refine myself uh, to express uh, positive character traits that uh, I hope make make things more pleasant for people who interact with even less. Awesome. What's your most important self-care practice? So um, there's a meditation, there are a couple of meditation practices um, that have been passed along in Jewish tradition that uh, I've been gifted to uh, become acquainted with that I try to make use of. Mm. Awesome. I, you know what, I, uh, I try to meditate 10 to 20 minutes every morning. Um, and I can tell when uh, I don't do it, my day is not right. Just <laughs> things, doesn't it? It, it, there's a way it happens. It really yes. does. Yeah. What's your yeah. favorite song? Favorite song. It's changing all the time, but there's an artist I really like called Zusha. And it's like an alternative, uh, but very sort of spiritual uh, duo, Jewish duo in New York um, that really uh, touches me. Right on. If you could give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, yeah, so, boy, my 18-year-old self needed a lot of advice. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that, I think that um, it would be to, to get in touch with just the unconditional value of your existence, whatever you achieve or don't achieve, mm -hmm. you know, or, or whatever you have or don't have. Um, because I think that is something that we all can easily lose sight of in a, in a world where there's a lot, there are expectations, there are standards, there are judgments. And expectations, standards, and judgments are part of life. So I'm, and I'm not saying everyone should be like floaty and, and you know, off the clouds, but, um, but to have that good balance between the two is important. Get in touch with the unconditional value of your existence. That is so profound, Reese. I love it. Thank you. Well, last question. If you could only wear one style of footwear for the rest of your life, what would it be? I like Echoes. Echo is like a, you know, it's like a solid quality, good shoe. And um, <laughs> yeah, so I know I probably have to go to an Echo store and pick something there. I like it. And versatile too. Right on. Hey, Reese, thank you so much for being on the pod. I appreciate you sharing. Of course, Jonathan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Reese. Good luck. And thanks for the work you're doing for our field. Thank you. You too. Take care. What up, listeners? Hey, I got something for you. If you like my Building Better Businesses in ABA podcast, you're going to love the Behavioral Observations podcast with Matt Sicoria. So I recently met Matt at ABAI. And let me tell you, I was just an instant fanboy. Matt's the real deal. His pod is all about stimulating talk for today's behavior analysts. So session 191 on his pod is on the behavior analysis of lying. That's right, lying. How awesome is that? Who does that? He also talks social skills, act, FAs, and so much more. His guests include Greg Hanley, Jonathan Tarbox, and other legendary names in our field. And as a BCBA, you can even get CEU credits through behavioral observations. You can find Matt the Behavioral Observations Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast channel. Enjoy, friends. Thanks for listening to Building Better Businesses in ABA Podcast. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode. In the meantime, please like, subscribe, share, and comment. We value your feedback. 
Don't forget to follow us on social media at elementrcm.ai.